Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning everybody. Happy Sunday, welcome to the Vineyard. Glad you're here. My name is Adam, I'm the pastor. Uh, fun to be back together in the same room. Uh, if you weren't dropping kids off here during the week, um, I, I just want you to know this, this building was so completely full of humans. Um, Heather and I were talking about it a couple times this week. We, I don't think we could have put any more kids in here. Like that was it. Like how many kids go in the vineyard? That, we, we hit it this week. That's how many kids go in the vineyard. Uh, So that was really, really fun uh, to see so much life in the building. But I I just wanted to say, especially for the people who helped this week, we had over 30 volunteers who were helping. And, you know, uh, it's kind of a hard thing to pull off sometimes to to do a little VBS moment in the middle of the week during the day when people work. And we had had over 30 volunteers. And one of the things I was reflecting on this week when I went home was, oh, we have a real church. Like I, that was sort of the thought that kept coming back to my brain. It's like, we have a real church where real people like serve real little kids and they show up and they give their mornings and they like make Kool-Aid and then they clean up the Kool-Aid that all the kids spilled and all the things that got thrown over in the paint and the popsicles. Like I, I just went home thinking like, we have a real church. And uh, so I've been like really touched this week because it was cool to have the kids here, but I was really, really encouraged by the, the service that was just in the room from so many people who are, you know, just good people. So I just wanted to say thank you. That was really cool. And I just kept having that thought. Ah, oh, we're it's only taken us 20 years, but we're a real church. You know? We're not a fake church. Okay. Uh, anyway, I want to continue our series uh, that we've been falling into uh, for the month of July. We're doing a, a psalm series this month. And I um, uh, was really thankful for the help last week uh, from Pastor Ray. My spiritual father. Uh, We call him P. Ray affectionately here in the house. Uh, But we're going to do the next part of that series this morning. Uh, This this, uh, series is called The Psalms. And this week's psalm is an imprecatory psalm. Somebody say imprecatory. Imprecatory Imprecatory means cursing. How many of you have ever read the psalms and you read sometimes through the psalms and you realize, wow, this is hard. Like some things that are in there. It's like, it's not just all thanksgiving and praise and God is great. Uh, so the first week in this series was thanksgiving. Uh, the second week was lament. Last week, P. Ray talked about songs of ascent, songs of journey. You go up to Jerusalem. But then this week, we're going to look at psalms of cursing. And I guess I want to start here. Uh, I just want to ask you this question. Uh, what do you do? What do you do when you're in, when you're in pain? Like, what do you do like when you're in pain? Uh, let's just start really benign here for a moment. Really benign. Like, like, if you get up in the morning and you go around the bed and it's before you get that first cup of coffee and you, you kind of like you're shuffling through the living room and you hit your toe on the edge of the coffee table, what do you do? Well, let me, let me ask this question. Not what do you do? What do some people do? Some people. 
I want to talk to the moms just for a second. When your kids don't listen to you, when they leave your van door open, when you drop the groceries, what, what do some moms say? We'll go back personal again. Um, but what do you do when you're in pain? And let's say that it isn't just stub your toe or maybe you drop the groceries or a kid is not really like on the same wavelength as you. But what, what do you do if somebody like really hurts you? I, what do you do? Have you ever been betrayed? And not, not fake betrayal, but like actual betrayal. Somebody very close to you, like gave you the kiss and then gave you the knife. Anybody ever, anybody ever experienced that? What do you do? What do you do? Uh, or, or what do you do if you've spent the last three years working on something uh, with good intentions, with really good intentions, and, and it just doesn't work. Like at the end of all your best efforts, it like it doesn't work, doesn't come together. And then not only does it not come together, but like some fly by night, some, some rodent of a person just comes in and, and pulls together the very thing that you were working on. And then you have to sit there and watch. Has this ever happened to anyone? What do you, what do, you do? What do you do? Or, or what do you do when you discover that like, like your actual life is not at all like the Disney channel. There's just, you know, what do you do? What do you do when you feel like that your actual life, the one that you're living, like it, it doesn't resolve like, like a TV show. Like at the end of a 30 minute TV show, there's the happy conclusion and the bow gets tied and then you're ready for the next episode. But then your actual life, there's, there's no resolve. There's, there's, it's just like, okay, I'm left with more confusion. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do when you're in actual, what do you do when you're actual pain? Or, or what do you do when you see uh, the injustice that actually exists in the world? How many of you know it's not always fair for everybody? You know, one of the things we like uh, in America is we like the idea that, you know, it's a meritocracy. You know, we love this idea. It's a, you know, you just, if you work hard and apply yourself, it'll all turn out fine. And how many of you know that sometimes when you work hard and apply yourself, it doesn't all turn out fine. Uh, how many of you know that not everybody starts at the same place? Some people were born on third base and thought they hit a triple. How many of you know that's real? You know, that's a real thing. What do you do when you see the injustice of the world? That it isn't just hard work. Uh, what do you do when, when you see your neighbor uh, get away with something that you can't get away? What do you do? What do you do? Uh, one of the things we're going to look at this morning is one of the themes that kind of comes back around sometimes in the Psalms. It's, it's uh, Psalms of cursing. There's different kinds of psalms, and this is a different class. Not all the psalms are the same. Sometimes the tone shifts quite a bit depending on what you're reading. And sometimes when you're reading the psalms, the tone goes really sharp. And there are more than a handful of psalms where the writer has some very hard things to say. And we're going to read a bit of one today. This is Psalm 69. Seth, you'll just have to give it to me, baby. Psalm 69 starts like this. We're going to read quite a bit. This is kind of a long psalm. You kind of have to get the tone here. And then, and then all of a sudden you're going to see this left turn that's a little surprising. So imagine singing this at church at some point. Or imagine praying this. That's what I really want you to do. David, by the way, wrote this. He says this. Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water and the floods, well, they overwhelm me. 
I'm exhausted for crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs on my head. My uh, Many enemies try to destroy me with lies, demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. God, you know how foolish I am. My sins can't be hidden from you. But don't let those who trust in you be ashamed because of me. O sovereign Lord of heaven's armies, don't let me, don't let me cause them to be humiliated, God of Israel. For I endure insults for your sake. Humiliation is written all over my face. Even my own brothers pretend they don't know me. They treat me like a stranger. How many of you know that line was personal? Can you remember a moment in David's story where that was like, okay, that actually happened? Remember when everybody got invited to dinner, but David didn't? Yeah. A passion for your house has consumed me and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. When I weep and fast, they scoff at me. Then we jump down to verse 14. This is what David says. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me and pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. It's at the bottom here. Then in verse 18, David says this. Come and redeem me and free me from my enemies. And then in 21, a little bit of a turn here. But instead, talking about his enemies, they give me poison for food. They offer me sour wine for my thirst. You might want to underline that in your brain. Then in verse 22, David says, let the bountiful table before them become a snare and their prosperity become a trap. Let their eyes go blind so they can't see and make their bodies shake continually. Pour out your fury on them. Consume them with your burning anger. Let their homes become desolate and their tents deserted. To the one you have punished, they add insult to injury. They add the pain of those you have hurt. Pile their sins up high and don't let them go free. This is a good one, huh? Erase their names from the book of life. Don't let them be counted among the righteous. We'll stop there for a second. Wolf. Anybody ever prayed something like, what do you do? What do you, like, what do you do? Like, if you've been betrayed, have you ever, have you ever prayed, let their name be blotted out of the book of life. Erased is what David says. Let their eyes go blind. Let their houses become deserted. It's kind of different, isn't it? Let their houses become desolate. Uh, David's going hard in the paint uh, this morning. Uh, in another psalm that I won't put up, uh, a writer goes even harder. In Psalm 137, this is after Israel's been captured by Babylon. The writer of the psalm says, happy is the one who pays you back for what you've done to us. So the writer is saying to the Babylonian overlords, happy is the one who gives you what you gave us. And then the next line is, happy is the one who bashes your baby's heads against the rocks. You're like, okay, that's different. Here's what I want to start with this morning. Why are these kinds of psalms so difficult or strange to us? Well, 
they're a little bit strange to us and they're a little bit difficult and they don't feel particularly devotional. Uh, and the reason for that is because most of us instinctually know that this kind of language is bordering on something dangerous and maybe even ungodly. It feels that way, right? Could you imagine getting on your knees beside your bed at night and going, God, would you cause my neighbor's house to become desolate, let their eyes go blind, and blot their names out of the book of life? Amen. All right, where's my popcorn snack? We just instinctively know that like, this is, you know, this is some intense language. And it's hard because if you're a student of the Bible, you know that Jesus says something in Matthew 5 uh, that feels really counter to this. And I'll put this up maybe. Uh, did we get a slide for that, Seth? Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But here's what I tell you. Love your enemies and pray for them. Pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So on the one hand, we have all these Psalms that have curses in them coming from people like David himself. And then on the other hand, you have these words of Jesus saying, you know what? You know, if you're going to be a child of my Father in heaven, you pray for your enemies and you ask God uh, to move toward them. Jesus also says in Matthew chapter 5 that God causes his reign to fall on the what? the righteous and the unrighteous. And so we know there's like some kind, of a, some kind of a counter here. And yet, so we'll hold that right there. And yet, here's the other thing I want you to know. Uh, the Psalms, uh, in fact, not just the Psalms in general, but some of these really difficult Psalms, they're often quoted in the New Testament. And in fact, Psalm 69 is quoted and quoted and quoted, and quoted over and over again in the New Testament. And uh, uh, when it's not quoted directly, it's often hinted at. So when Judas decides to hang himself in Acts chapter 1, Peter comes back to Psalm 69, this very, this very verse that we just read about their houses being deserted, and he applies it to Judas. You can read that in Acts chapter 1. So there's all of this stuff happening. So what do we do and how do we respond, especially since the Psalms are the prayer and worship book for the saints throughout the ages like, what do we do devotionally with these kinds of words? Well, I want to give you a very quick outline this morning, and then we're going to jump right into it one after another. Uh, number one, description, pre description prescription. Uh, number two, get real. Uh, number three, better, better to pray than to leak. Number four, process. And then number five, it's really fun. I am somebody's enemy. That's always a fun one. Number one, description, prescription. Uh, this is just a great, a great way of dealing with any difficult passage in the Bible. You read the Bible long enough, you're going to come up against something that's like, wow, that's really weird, and I don't know what to make of that. Or it might even be a step beyond that. You might read something that goes, I don't know if this is even, like, is this good? Like, if you, if you read long enough in the Bible, you're going to find some stuff that's like, wow, this is very strange. And so here's a really great frame for reading the Bible. One of the questions that you should ask yourself when you're dealing with difficult passage is this question. Is the passage I'm reading, is it descriptive or is it prescriptive? How many of you know that not everything in the Bible is prescriptive, meaning like something you should mirror? Sometimes the Bible is just descriptive. It's just telling you a thing. 
It's not even something that you're to mirror or I'm to mirror. It's just, here's the thing. Here's a person as they really are. Here's some stuff that really happened. Um, I was thinking about this this week. Remember that moment when uh, David is trying to impress Saul and maybe get himself a new wife and he goes out and he cuts off 200 Philistine foreskins and he brings them back to Saul? Fun moment, huh? Fun moment. How many of you, how many of you know that that was a descriptive moment and not necessarily prescriptive? Uh, I have a beautiful daughter. I have one daughter. She's quite beautiful. Uh, she's uh, 17. She's very strong and we love her. And one day suitors will come. I just, want, I just want all the suitors to know. So I'm on record right now. We don't need the foreskins. Don't need them. Why? Because, because that passage is just descriptive. It's not prescriptive. Now, if you want to bring something, you want to bring something, here's what you bring. A, get a job. <laughs> like, like a real job. And how about some kindness, right? Yeah. So what do you do with hard passages? One of, one of the real things that you do, this is just how you read the Bible, 101. Is this descriptive or is this prescriptive? So when we come to really hard passages, like even what we read this morning in Psalm 69, when David is saying, like, let their eyes go blind, let their houses become desolate, and blot their names out of the book of life. One question we might ask this, uh, is this descriptive or is this prescriptive? Well, one of the things we can certainly say about it already this morning is, is this descriptive? Like this is a person in pain, right? Now, is the Bible asking me to mirror this? Or is the Bible just saying, here's what it looks like when somebody's in pain. Here's a person in pain. So the first thing I just want to say is, there's something about today's passage and when you read Psalms of cursing, especially when you take Matthew chapter five and you put Matthew chapter five on the other side, one of the things that we just take is like, this is descriptive. Now, is there anything prescriptive about it? I would say yes. I would say yes. And, and here's the way I view these kinds of Psalms and the way that I treat these texts, especially uh, in this part of the Bible. Uh, they're invitations, right? Uh, so number two, get real. Number two, get real. Uh, part of the devotional piece like if we were to move beyond just descriptive into prescriptive for a moment in a really difficult passage like this, part of the invitation in Psalm 69, especially long about 21 to 28 when David goes hard in the pain, part of the invitation for you and I, uh, it's an invitation for you and I to actually get real. Get real for a minute. Uh, one, of the things, one of the things that we, that we sometimes have a hard time doing is getting real about what's actually floating around in our own hearts. One of the things you'll notice about the Bible is, is that the Bible is unflinching and the camera doesn't move. And for that reason, it can be uncomfortable. Uh, David was not a two-dimensional character, yet in our culture, we often think these kinds of feelings and attitudes don't apply to us or we don't have them. You know, we think not only is it off limits, but I, I don't really, you know, I get mad sometimes, but I'm not hoping anybody would die and I'm not hoping that God would kill someone or blot them out or cause their life to go bad. And we just think, well, that doesn't apply to me. That's not me. And we think, oh, that's not me. You know, that's David and that's what some other time. And that's like, you know, it's an ancient Near Eastern dude who was a warrior and liked to run around with his bow and arrow and his slingshot. It's not really me. I'm, I'm, I'm more civilized than that. And sometimes in our culture, 
uh, we think that we're above these attitudes or that we've superseded them somehow. And by culture, when I talk about culture in this context, here's what I mean. Uh, Western, Southern, and Christian. Western, Southern, and Christian. And here's one of the things I know about American Southern Christians. We rarely tell the truth. We rarely tell the truth. I'll just tell you right now. Uh, one of the things about being an American Southern Christian is that we are really, really good at hiding our actual feelings, especially when we're in pain. Why? Because we know we're supposed to be good. Be good, right? I know. Oh, I, we're supposed to be good. Somebody's been really, really bad to me, or I'm in a really dark place of pain. And I know that I'm supposed to like show up well. And so I just stuff, 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 stuff. We're really good at hiding our feelings. Outwardly, we can look very put together, but inwardly, we're something very different. Have you ever met somebody who's really, really nice? And you're like, wow, that's a really nice person. Then you start hanging out with them. And then at some point, there's a bit of friction. You find out that's the angriest person you've ever met in your entire life. Yeah. Or, or you know... Oh, that's like a quiet, meek person until they rage your face off. Enneagram nines. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I think it's pretty true of most humans. You know, we're good at hiding our feelings. Uh, we present one way, but inwardly we're someone else. Uh, Jesus says a few things about this. He, he calls this kind of like, he calls this kind of paradoxical behavior, he calls it whitewashed tombs. He also says in another passage, he's like, you know what? Uh, the temptation is to wash the outside of the cup, but leave the inside of the cup dirty. You guys remember that part? Yeah. We never deal with the interior. And so here's one of the things that I would like to say is the Psalms of cursing uh, they're invitations to get real about who we really are and about how we really feel and about what's actually happening on the inside, especially when we're disappointed or hurting. It's an invitation to get real. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart, but he was also a person with burning fire and anger at times. And here's the question I've been asking myself this week. Am I better than David? Sometimes I think I am, but am I actually better than David? Am I? Really? What's happening on the inside? Or am I simply hiding what I feel? Am I forgiving with gritted teeth? Anybody ever forgiven with gritted teeth? Uh, uh, do, do I, do I, have I become someone who on the outside looks like generous and fairly happy, but on the inside is really angry and, and just like filled with bitterness? Filled with bitterness. Uh, sometimes we need a wake-up call about what's actually in our hearts. And the Bible provides that mirror for us. It's wild how often the psalmists talk about their own anger and their thirst uh, for revenge comes to the surface. Uh, and by the way, what's wild about that is it's in the Bible's prayer book. Why is it in the Bible's prayer book? Because it's in us. That's why. And so the descriptive part of this passage is, uh, this is a passage that comes from a man who's hurting and who really is at the bottom. But the prescriptive part of this passage, or the way I would read it is, it's an invitation to get real about who I really, really am. Like some of us in the room like are fairly angry. And it's, it's like, it's an invitation to go, you know what, I am an angry person. And then it's an invitation to go, where's that coming from? Where is it coming from? 
Uh, number next, uh, better to pray than to leak. How many of you know that what is unprocessed leaks? We can never really, we can never really hide who we actually are. We can never really hide who we are. Uh, someone famously said that anything that isn't transformed is transferred. Like so, so the trauma that you grew up with in your house, if it isn't transformed, it'll just be transferred to your kids and to your family and to, and to your neighbors. And the patterns that you saw in your parents, uh, if they're not transformed, you'll just repeat them. That's what we do. And if you have like a really, really traumatic moment at work, or if you have a relationship that goes tremendously south and it leaves you in a lot of pain, uh, if it's not transformed by the love and the kindness of God and other relationships, it will be transferred and it will be transferred to the people closest to you first. How many of you know that? And so part of the invitation in the Psalms of cursing is, man, it's this invitation. It's better to pray than to leak. Better to pray than to leak. Some of us are walking around with wounds that are not healed. Uh, anger that has not been expressed. Maybe it was a toxic marriage or a family situation. Or maybe, maybe you've been manipulated for years and we just stuff it down. Uh, the Psalms of cursing invite us to look at our emotional field and to get dead honest and to start to pray. Begin to bring that back to God and go, you know what? You know what? And here's what I think is helpful. Rather than praying for your enemies' houses to become desolate and for their names to be blotted from the book of life, here's what I've found to be helpful. Uh, it's this. Begin to use the language of God I feel. God I feel. It's, 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 a, it's a small turn, but it's actually a profound turn. God, I feel. Um, God, I've been hurt. God, I feel. Here's how I feel, God. I feel like, I feel like this person is a terrible person. Here's how I feel, God. I know you love them, but God, I'm like, I'm struggling. And if I were honest about how I feel, God, I, I wish this was them and not me. God, I feel, Right? Better to pray than to leak. This is the first, this is the first step. Uh, I really do think that the words of Jesus went out here, that we're to bless and not to curse, uh, that we have to move beyond an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, but one of the ways we begin to do that is, is begin to pray. And, and the best way to pray when you're really, really hurt is you begin to pray, uh, God, I feel prayers. God, I feel. Here's how I feel about this situation. Here's how I feel about this place or this disappointment. Uh, here's something that I've noticed when it gets really painful. Uh, sometimes you can't even say their names at the beginning. Anybody ever been betrayed to the point that when you tried to pray about it, you couldn't even say their name? I don't have time to tell the whole story. Probably wouldn't even be appropriate. But, I mean, one time, one time I, I got rocked by someone very close to me, and it took me a year to say this person's name in prayer. Like, I carried them in my heart. I was like... And, and the worst part is you have that Matthew 5 thing there and you're a preacher and you know it and you're like, <laughs> took me a year, took me a year, right? But, but better to pray than to leak. And eventually you get to where you can say the person's name. It's the first step into dealing with it. Number next, process. Uh, it's, it's wild how often... We see the goal and we miss the process. 
How many of you know if you sign up if you sign up for a marathon, what you really signed up for was training? You didn't sign up for the race. What you signed up to do was to train. That's what you signed up for. Or or you know, you're like, I want to write a book. And then, and then you realize what you signed up for was uh, writing alone in your office for a year. It's like, well, I didn't want to be alone in my office for a year. I wanted a book. <laughs> it's like, well, it means alone in your office for a year. That's what it means. Oh, I just, I wanted to come across the finish line. I wanted to feel the tape and I wanted to have the picture with the, with the digital board with the time. I, that's what I, no, what you signed up for was running on Sundays in the heat. That's, and everybody else is taking naps in their hammocks. And in the case of anger and discipleship to Jesus, uh, we have particular goals. I mean, like, I, here's, here's one of my goals for my life. Uh, it, it's in Romans 8. Uh, Paul says this, God has predestined that we be conformed to the image of his son. That's like a goal for me, right? Uh, because it's in the Bible and it's going to happen. So, like, we might as well get on board with it. Like, I want to be like Jesus. And I want to be like Jesus more this year than I was last year. And, and, and here's what that really means. It means that I'm signing up for this process. I'm signing up for a process and those processes have to do with things like anger and how I treat people and how I talk and, and the way that I relate. That's what it's about to become like Jesus. And, and sometimes becoming like Jesus with our hurt and our anger is actually a process. It's a deeper process. You want to let go of anger. First thing you have to do is actually acknowledge it. Uh, you have some rage in your heart. First thing you got to do, acknowledge it. And then, then you got to do this you got to begin to locate where it's coming from. And sometimes, sometimes the match that lights the fire of anger in your heart is not the actual one that's lighting the fire of anger in your heart. It came from someplace else, you know? That first impulse of what you think it is, it's almost never the thing. So you got to go down. And that's a process. This is all a process. The, the, the Psalms of cursing, they're jarring and they're uncomfortable. But what if they're just the first steps and letting it go? And what if sitting with these words breaks something open in our own hearts so that we could actually do the thing that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, which is to pray for blessing instead of cursing, right? What if, what if the beginning is to pray a prayer of God I feel, and then in a month I'm praying, God, would you, would you, cause, would you cause your rain, would you cause your rain of blessing, would you cause it to fall on this person? God, would you cause your reign of blessing to fall on this situation? This thing that I was so upset about. So upset about. Number next. Someone's enemy. Here's an uncomfortable thought. I'm someone's painful prayer. I'm someone's painful prayer. Uh, here, here's a, an even more radical thought. So are you. Uh, we're all someone's painful prayer. Probably not all the time because you're decent people, right? <clears throat> but at some point in your life, you'll be someone's painful prayer. The prayer that David prays in Psalm 69, he's praying it about a set of enemies. Uh, part of the invitation for these kinds of Psalms is for us to wake up to the fact that Man, there may be a moment in my life that someone's praying these kinds of words about me. It's a self-reflective thing. Part of what the, cur the cursing psalms invite us into is to get real about how we feel, to take our emotions to God. But another invitation from the psalms is to realize that I might be the reason that someone is feeling a prayer like this. 
I don't know about you, but I don't ever want anybody to pray a prayer like this about me. You know, there's a life goal, <laughs> right? I, I don't want to do that. Part of, the devotional, part of the devotional reading of Psalm 69, especially 21 through 28, one way to read this would be, Lord, I currently do not feel this way. Or at least I currently do not think I feel this way. God, I never want to be the kind of person who brings about these kinds of emotions for another person. Would you conform me to the image of your son? Right? Like, yeah, because, because life is complicated. And, and you know how it is. Like, we all start off fairly immature emotionally, just as we do physically. And, and the, the rough part is, is that your, your physicality is going to grow up, but sometimes our emotional field doesn't grow up that much. And so part of the invitation from Psalm 69 is for everybody in the room, it's, it's the invitation to grow up and to, and to increasingly become the kind of person that would never be prayed about in this way. Like, that's one of the things I'm hearing from it this week. Like, God, you know what? I don't, I don't ever want to make someone this angry. Like, some conflict is probably necessary, but I never, want to, I never want to be the reason someone's praying, God, would you cause Adam and Heather's house to be desolate, blot their names out from the book of life, and let everything go wrong in their life? Never, never, never. I am someone's enemy. So, for us today, uh, there's probably a couple things. Uh, I, I felt like maybe, maybe from the text and just from prayer this week, uh, there may be some people here this morning, and uh, you're in pain, and, and God wants to touch, and he wants to heal uh, the pain, but especially the pain of like betrayal. That word just kept coming to me all week. Uh, this text has some little harmonic notes of betrayal in it, but it's not specifically about betrayal, but that word just was like resident in me while I was reading and praying this week. And you know what? There may be a person or two in the room this morning and you've, you've been betrayed and it may be in recently, or maybe it's, maybe it's been a minute, you know, but it, it just hasn't been, it hasn't been, it hasn't been processed and it hasn't been transformed and even while you were listening this morning, you're like, oh my goodness, I don't want that to be transferred. I don't want it to be transmitted, right? And, and God wants to like, touch some people this morning. And the second thing this morning is um, the beginning of Psalm 69. And maybe Seth, you can put it up, like verse 1. David says this, he's like, floodwaters are up to my neck. Imagine water being up over your mouth right below your nostrils. That's an awful feeling, Right? Um, and, and it may not even be anything that has to do with relational discomfort. It may just be other situations in life have pressed you to where you have very little room. Like the, the words I was getting this morning as I was driving to church was like, there's just very little room. And it's like, ah, I, I just feel so constrained. And God would want to would stand with us. So uh, here's what I was thinking this morning. We would want to pray for anybody who needs prayer, but especially people who have experienced the pain of betrayal. And for people who are like, you know what? Man, there's just like floodwaters up to my neck. I'm like, I feel like I'm being cut off. All my options are over. We'd want to pray uh, with you and uh, for you this morning. So if you're on the band, come on up. And why don't we have everybody else stand up? I want to pray and then we're, we're going to sing one more time.
Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.